Welcome, everybody. You're on Float Your Boat with... Float Your Boat. Of course, that's Brett Patterson. And, and that's me. Yes, and I'm George Sabados. And who do we have on today, Brett? Today we have a chap named Michael Bates. Um, <laughs> Michael Michael is a... a, a a, 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 as he probably will tell us, a suburban boy from the western northwest of Sydney, mm-hmm. um, who is now probably one of the most successful landscape gardeners in Australia. And uh, how how is it that you know that? I read his bio. You're on fire today, Brett. (laughs) And I've got his, and George, I've got his book in front of me called The New Australian Garden Landscapes for Living. It's a beautiful book. I've got to tell you, it's. It's lovely. Well, I know he's uh, like anyone who's been in the in in the industry for a long time. He's um, you know he, he's uh, he's certainly had some highs and lows, but um, he's also apparently been the gardener for some famous people who we cannot mention. Yeah, he and we'll we'll try and we'll try we'll try and get something out of him. We'll try, but uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure he'll be circumspect about that. But um... okay, let's get him in. <laughs> to the Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls and potholes and how they overcame it all. And now, here are your hosts. Hi, Michael. Good morning. How are you? Michael, how are you, mate? Oh, fit as a fiddle. Thanks for coming into our studio. Fit as a fiddle. It's good to hear some uh, 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 true blue Aussie... Fit as a fiddle and strong as a bull. Where'd you grow up, Michael? <laughs> I grew up in Dundas Valley out in the western suburbs of Sydney. Yeah, no wonder. Yeah. No wonder. Housing Commission. How, really? Really? Yeah. Was there Housing Commission? You're yeah. Like Houso. Yeah. Houso. Bottom of the barrel. Tell us about, so you grew up <coughs> in Dundas. What did your dad well, do? Well, dad, dad was a signwriter. Dad right. was a signwriter. Mum was a stay-at-home mum. And uh, there was five kids. Went to the local working class Catholic school where they taught us all about sport. Another the sports amenities block. West. Sports amenities block was significantly bigger than the library. <laughs> they didn't teach us to read and write, but we could all kick a football. Yeah, of course. Yeah. What 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 code did you like? Best? Oh, it was league. It was a working class Catholic school. See, so they separated the schools, the GPS schools, from the metropolitan Catholic schools mm. by the the codes. So yeah. rugby union was played by the middle class kids, and we played league. So do you still follow Lee? No, not at all. No. Bunch, of yeah, yeah. bunch of bullfeds. Yeah, bunch of bullfeds. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit too homoerotic for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm anti football. Right. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, and I, I don't like Holden's much either, but I do like kangaroos. <laughs> meat so, pies. <laughs> not, not that keen on meat pies. So when did the uh, when did the love of love of um, all things horticulture start? Well, I think. You know, it was the careers, careers advisor in year 10 because the school only went to year 10 and uh, they said, you know, you're not doing very well at school, Michael. You seem to be a bright kid, but <laughs> we still haven't been, managed to teach you to read and write. But, uh, you know, maybe you should go for an outdoor career. And, and I like the word horticulture. Yeah, it's yeah. a good word. I actually thought <coughs> you, of horticulture. Did you know what it meant? No, I didn't, but it sounded good. <laughs> 
So I take it you went to the Ride School of Horticulture, didn't you? No, no. I went to Hawkesbury Agricultural College back then. Yeah. So so I finished school and and uh, and I qualified in the in the public service exams to be, uh, you know they did twenty thousand kids and I got a job in Newcastle as an apprentice gardener. And then I let that go when I got a job as an apprentice nurseryman at Swain's Nursery. Oh, yeah. And then I let that go when I got into college to study horticulture full-time. But how did you survive yeah. uh, if you yeah. studied full-time? <clears throat> what did you do for a There trust? was a tease allowance. You know, the good thing about – so I'm the first in nine generations Australian working class with a tertiary education – Right. In my family. Right. And it all, it all, it all, the, the tipping point in that housing emission place was the Catholic school and, and basically the Whitlam, the Whitlam policy of, of TEAS, this, this, this tertiary education assistance grants. And so I still had to work seven days a week to, to keep it all together. But it was, it was the difference between going to university and not. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that, that universal education is a transformative thing for Australian society. Oh. The two things they were trying to do was unlock the potential of the citizens and, yes. and, and, and to raise the horizons. And there's absolutely no doubt that the full investment that the Australian government placed in me up until, up until I was 22 years of age, 23 years of age, I now re- return, remit to them three times that total amount on an annual basis. Yeah. Because yeah, I employ right. 26 Australians and, and run a viable enterprise. And, and, you know, and there's absolutely no doubt that investing in the citizens in education, and, and I think every dollar you spend in education, you're going to get minus three to five in, in health. So, yeah. the, so the knockabout boy that, that goes into the careers counsellor <laughs> and the careers counsellor thinks to himself, oh, Christ, what are we going to do with this guy? This fella <laughs> was completely wrong. And now is a su- hugely successful. Yeah. Well, well, you know, yeah, entrepreneur. Yeah, well, no, we run it. We run it. We run a pretty good shop, and we're having a good. And basically, I'm having a good time. You Which know? Th- that's the main thing, to me. Well, yeah. tell us, tell us a little bit about your your family. You you, uh, you snuck it in there before <laughs> before we press the record button. So, uh, well, one of those on fortunate that. Australians that. There was one Christmas where we had four generations on both sides. We had my, grand, my great-grandmother, my grandmother, my mother and my sister. And we had my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father and myself. Wow. And then there was five kids, so, you know, we had mother siblings as well. But to actually have a Christmas day with four generations on both sides, I, I think few people around the world would experience that. And I think, you know, it's been – I've been an incredibly lucky person in any in human history, to to experience that and that sort of strength of family and 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 good fortune to have survived all of those world events and world wars and things. And they were quite a positive bunch, were they? On the whole, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my mother my mother was a Catholic, my father was a Protestant, and they they only did the deal to get married because my <laughs> father didn't drink, you know, because Catholics and Protestants didn't get married in the sixties. Your yeah, father didn't drink. He's, he's not an, he's, a Catholic uh, no, family. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, well, that's, that, <laughs> but she'd had enough of the the alcohol, you know. So she she wanted a, a circuit breaker. And the funny thing is, and his and his and his family had plenty of gamblers. And the funny thing is, in one, in one generation, no one with a, any any trouble with drinking or or gambling. In one generation, it's extraordinary. <laughs> that's that's very un-Australian, Michael. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all drink, but no, there's no problems. Whereas that, you know. If you look at the if you look at the history of the family tree, you know, with the Irish mixing together with the with the Aboriginal and the and the Scottish and the English and the and the, and the criminal class, you know, there was plenty of drinking going on. I bet there was, <laughs> without a doubt, and it still goes on. I, I, I gather. Well, I think it's I think it's a bit, I think Australians a bit more moderate in in the way that we we operate. No, these we days. certainly are today. Yeah. 
yeah, compared to no before. Doubt. It's a relative no thing, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, I still think it's the lucky country, isn't it? Really? No, d- no doubt about it. No doubt, doubt about, about it. it. Yeah. I'm the luckiest guy you'll ever meet. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm convinced why. of that. Tell well, because why. of all of those things, to have that, to have that as a blasting off pad, to have that sort of, stri- you know, that my father taught me, you know, not through ever expressing it in words, but said it's only two things that matter to a man, to be a man, is to, to make up your own mind 100% of the time and to look after your family. And everything else doesn't matter. Everything else is just the, a passing thing. A wise word. He sounds like a wise, wise fellow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's a good start in life. Once you've got that, you can knock a peg in the ground and you can sort of, you know, work out a base and, and build on that. It's pretty easy. So is he still alive? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, kicking around. How old is he now? He's he's only seventy six. Oh, he's a youngster yeah. still. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's got a long enough. way to go. He has, I hope so. He had you when uh, when you, he when was twenty six. Yeah, right. He, he was twenty six, and they were holding off, You're uh, just holding off up for their that. age. But that's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Now, speaking of knocking a peg in the ground, like okay, so you went off to horticultural college. Yeah, Good you word, were an apprentice. Though. Yes, Good word, horticulture. I managed to get. My you mouth can drag a horticulture, but you can't make a thing. I don't think you should put that in. <laughs> no, that's all right. Oh, that's right. We meant to be irreverent <laughs> on this yeah, show. It's on, record. It's, on, yeah. it's on record now. But but you 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 did your apprenticeship, right? Yeah. So for all intents and purposes, you were a worker, a worker bee. Oh, no doubt right? about it. Yeah. So what about your? What happened to you? <laughs> well, it was a long to where you're at today. Well, I graduated in '86, so you know it's been a 30 year program. But basically, I started life, you know, in small. So so I went I went studied. Um, got a job in you know working for normal landscapers doing normal landscaping and then and then I went and studied under a Japanese master and that was where it all changed and I sort of became. But how did that uh, happen? Well, I, I was sort of looking around and I was uninspired by what was being done back there in the mid eighties and and I latched onto it to this this guy who was who was building gardens in in uh, Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane and he was Japanese and and I I became his student and I walked around. <laughs> Like it, there's there's not many pictures of it, but I used to walk around with the little ninja boots and 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 the uniform that they, so in Japan they wear well, a garden like the Karate kid. And I was like Did the Karate kid. Of, yeah, it's a Karate kid. Was, of was, that, was that wax on? Wax? <laughs> there was a fair there was a fair <laughs> bit of that sort what of was carry. It wasn't Masayoshi Uchiyama. Uchiyama-san. Right, that's <clears> easy <throat> for you to say. And he's <laughs> it took me a while to learn it. He's still in the business. <laughs> he's, he went back to Japan and and sort of settled in the hills of Fukuoka and it was German Shepherd and started growing Australian native plants for cut flowers. I mean, he completely went went off the went went off off the gri- off grid. Can you, can you, can you say where he went? Fukuoka. But isn't that isn't that where the nuclear reactor was? Wasn't it? Fukuoka? No, no, no. That's a different different place. I think I think that was right. no, no, but it wasn't Fukuoka. I would say. Um, right. We better not say that word too many no. times no. because it could trip yeah. us up there. Yeah, I'm probably not saying it probably. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, he 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 left. But we worked on Expo '88 in Brisbane. We worked on the Japan oh, yeah. Pavilion with Kenzo Ogata. So it was oh. a real eye opener. And after that, I travelled like like most young Australians do. I mean, one of the great things about Australia, I think, is no matter what part of society you come from, you, most Australians get a passport and leave the shores, even if they only make it to Bali. You know, yeah. they, they actually go to another place. And I think that that outward-looking approach is so distinctly different to the majority of the rest of the world. And so I think yeah, we, we realise right. we're down under... We're not that relevant to the rest of the world. We live in a beautiful place, but in order to sort of expand your horizons and see, you know, other cultures and other things, you, you, you travel. So I travelled and... Where'd you go? Uh, uh, well, 
back then I, I, I was trying to be interesting and uh, I think I spent all my 20s try, trying to be interesting. <laughs> and I get to 50 and I think, God, I wish I could just be, you know, normal. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I went to Phoenix and I bought a, bought a car and I drove it across the Mojave Desert with a, with a bloke who was my father's age, funnily enough, who was, who was from the hippie movement. Oh, right. He, 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 he used to drive for the Grateful Dead. Wow. No way. Oh yeah, I had an amazing experience on the Mojave Desert, and that changed that changed how I looked at things as well, you know. And and all of these experiences, you know, um, change and how, how you view the world. I think so. In this the gave picture. you the texture of how you approach your landscaping. I take it. I, I think all of the all of these experiences, fr- you know, frame frame up your view and, and also expand what's possible. And now I now I actually go and travel every every year. I go and do a study tour. So last year was England and and UK and and the, and the year before was Sri Lanka and and I've actually run garden tours as well. But so I have one holiday which is a holiday, and then one holiday which is just about work. Right. But who does the uh, the research? Like, how do you know where to go? Well, the, and well what there's to a, see? there's a network of gardeners. And and once you're in, I imagine there is. yeah, yeah, I the mean, secret network. They're, 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 well, it's a really interesting thing, you know. I have literally met hundreds of, of gardeners in in my in my career, and I've met one I didn't like. Is that, that right? Yeah. On the whole, if you're going to stick with gardening, you you need to have tenacity. You need to believe in. in you need to be optimistic. I mean, don't stick a plant in the ground unless you think it's going to grow. Yeah. I mean, just just the act of gardening is is an optimistic thing to do. And on the whole, it'll beat you unless you unless you've got that tenacity and, and, and unless you've got a generosity of spirit. You, you, you can't practice gardening. It is about generosity. It is about believing that things are going to grow, and there's plenty and there's plenty to go around. So I take it when you do a, a, a big job for a, a people that can afford to have you in making their place look beautiful, mm. you have to instill that ethos into them. Because no, they have to. Have, they have to possess. They have to possess it. Right. So, because so if they don't, it, you if they, they'd have to have if you in every week. If they're not believers, I, I haven't got time to, to 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 induct them into it. Right. But but there there is such a body of believers of, of people who believe in gardening and 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 see the, the the motion and the and the movement and the and the life that it brings into them. It's like it's like having children or having a dog. It's it's like you 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 realise that life's an organic process and 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 it's ever changing. And there's new miracles that are going to you know. I, I still can't believe it at the end of at, at the end of winter every year. It's, it might sound a bit strange, but I've got a place in the mountains. I can't believe them. I'm thinking, I know the leaves are going to come. But when they come, it still feels like a miracle. Right. The, the, the sprout of spring mm-hmm. and the bulbs coming out of the ground. It still, it still, to me, feels miraculous. I know it's going to happen, but it's still, I'm, I'm still, there's a question of relief. So there's still that um, childlike excitement about About, oh, about spring. Kind of, oh, yeah. 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 Right. Definitely sub-temperate gardens. So once you get out to the Southern Highlands, get a bit of elevation out to the Blue Mountains. Because the Blue Mountains and the Southern Highlands, we're, we're an English colony. And so what the English did, first chance they got, was to make hill stations in all our capital cities. There's some of the best gardens out of the cities where they got a bit more elevation, slightly better soil, and, and, and they, they just needed to get away from the coast on the, on, you know, in the summer. Yeah, right. So, you know, my place up at Mount Irvine is, is this, the hill station that serviced the hill station of, of, of Mount Wilson. Which right. is, you know, where people right. like Patrick White 
just you know, past Bilpin, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's just so, past Bilpin. And it, and it looks very um, um, English up there in terms of the... Does, does, the well, well, it does. It's English in sensibility because they, they were trying to recreate these Arcadian paradises of home. Right. And they also have, you know, into hydrotherapy, so there's Turkish bars and yes. places. You know, we've got a spa. <laughs> we get in the spa, middle of winter, run, you know, run naked and jump in the dam. Sounds good to me. <laughs> oh, it's a great way to engage with it. So with all the those gardens like the Everglades and places like that, they were really English trying to get out of town and create... That was things. the origin of how they were established and settled and why they were made. And I think people haven't been cognizant of that necessarily, but they know that it's a beautiful place, yeah. and they and they like they go there for the atmosphere, and they go there for the relaxation. I take it you also get your inspiration from there, but let's let's backtrack a little bit, okay? So you were you you started off life, um, or you got your initial inspiration from your Japanese master, mm. and I take well, it well that all- framed up my aesthetics. So so they're not into symmetry they're into asymmetry and triangulation right so so you so, that was so the, the first thing you do is study uh, flower arranging so I was sent off to you know first two weeks was Sagetsu school you know the shin the soy the hikai that basically you know arranging flowers because once you can arrange flowers in in a, in a composition that are beautiful you can start to think about how to arrange larger elements in the landscape obviously there's a deep philosophy behind that like it like a it's an understanding of aesthetics. And at the end of the day, what the Japanese have been doing through centuries of garden culture mm. is is taking the most beautiful elements of nature, distilling them down to just the critical bits and pieces and making an arrangement which is a, an abstraction of nature. It's meant right. to be... It's meant Hence to be... the gaps, I take it. So the, the, the fact that they like... They're quite minimal, aren't they? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, you strip away the things that are really unnecessary. Yeah, right. And, and you take uh, so so after my native uh, after my Japanese period, I had a really strong native period where I where I went out into the bush and tried to understand the Australian the Australian nature, and then tried to you know implement that. But that sort of native gardening that was a, that was a passing. There's lots of different phases oh, sure, that you go you through. Were on a, you were on a a path of discovery, yeah, and and learning, but but. Um, you 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 had two. You just mentioned two distinct phases. Were there any others that followed? Um, so many, so many. From the from the native, it was an easy jump to rainforest plants. Right. And they're so exciting. You can take a rainforest plant that's a ground story plant that that grows thin and up trying to get a bit of sunlight. Put it out in full sun, and it becomes this big, fat, luscious green thing. And so you know, and they, and they're fast growing. And you add nutrients and they reward you. So I had a, then a serious rainforest phase where I've planted a few trees around Sydney that were way too big for the place. <laughs> yeah, so I went from rainforest and, and you know, so many different um, cottage gardens. I worked with a garden designer called Marcia Hosking who was just in her cottage phase and she she, she was she was a master. She could just arrange all those things, and then you get you get sw- swallowed along. You, you visit Tuscany, and then you just think, it's just magical. It's poetic. And and then after that, you know, ed- edibles th- th- through edibles to, I mean, now I'm into landforming, which is uh, so. There's this Scottish. Um, well, he's actually an American uh, architect who married into Scottish aristocracy, and he's got a garden called the Garden of Cosmic Speculation up in Dumfries in Scotland where he's just crafted these these sculpted forms out of turf, massive things, and going to visit those and, and several of other of his, of his landform gardens. And you, you get elevation, so you walk up on top of these landforms and you get elevation. So it's like 
it's like climbing up onto the roof of your house and looking at your garden from a different perspective. Right. And there's different... Uh, uh, and there's different <coughs> angles, angles, different perspectives, and, and heights, etc. It's about it's about changing your perspective within the garden by without ladders or, or steps. Or I mean, they've been doing it in gardens forever. You know, Lenotre did it in in, in, in France. You know, we had a big, you know, the Versailles, the you know Louis the Fourteenth gardener. They'd have big viewing platforms, and they and they get up and get some elevation. So, but do you need to have a big garden to do those things, or can you do? Can you make it to? You can scale. You can scale it down. You can scale it down. And I, I, I use it now. So if you look at my garden in the Blue Mountains, I've done a, a scaled-down version of that because I don't have the space. But um, you can use it in, in suburban gardens where, where you take it. Australians have this, this need to make level lawns. It's, it's, it's in our DNA. I don't know why. but well with Victor. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lawn culture. There's a lawn culture. So, so I'm, I, I understand that we need lawns. We need them for the kids. We need them for the dogs. And we also need a void space. We need a – so, you know, we need clearings. And, at the, and at, the, at the heart of gardening as a philosophy, it comes from one of two places. You're either trying to create an oasis in the desert cool and tranquil and and, and, self, and sustaining or you're trying to create a, a clearing you're trying to create a clearing in the forest where you've got pushed the nature back so you can see wild boar charging you or snakes or whatever and so you know this the, you need to create clearings you need to create space so we need lawns but we need to reimagine them so we can fold them and and, and, and put them on angles and curve them and make them a sculptural element in and of their own right as well as being useful you can lie on them and you know so it's 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 reimagining the Australian lawn. So, so how long does it take? Like for a like, I know it's, it's how long is a piece of string, but how long does it take you to create something like this? Well, on my website, there's a time lapse where we did it in ten days, where we made a landform in ten days, and I'll get you to have a look at that because it's yeah. you see what you do in ten days. But what what's not on the camera is where we were getting the soil from. We had to landscape a place for free in order to get the beautiful basalt soil. Because part of the reason that Mount Irvin, Mount Wilson looks like England is this beautiful volcanic soil. It's one of the few places in the country you can grow chestnuts and walnuts and and those European plants, and and that they because get to their the full soil. size because of the beautiful vo- volcanic soil. Sorry, I, I thought it was um, sandstone up there. So, so, so in my place, if you did a transect through it, yep. there's three geologies. You've got a lens of, of basalt sitting over clay, which is shale-based, right. sitting over a bed of sandstone. Wow. So this is an old continent. So you've got all these big things that, you know, these big volcanic geological things that happened millions of years ago. That's, that, that's a... That's a that uh, leftovers of little bits of... Volcano. But it's quite unique even in the area because for a little bit further <coughs> up, it's, there's, there's it's, it's all sandstone. All <laughs> That's right. All around you. All around yeah. you is sandstone. We, you know, so you've got four, you've got Mount Toma where the botanic gardens are and they were put there for, for that reason. Yep. And then you've got Mount Wilson, Mount Irvin and then another mountain called Mount Tutti. They're the only cleared ones. There's many more out into the Wallamai wilderness. Yeah. But um, they're little int- extrusions, so they've just come up and, and then weathered down and, wow. and, and they're, they're beautiful soil. And that's why, that's why the gardeners go there as well. The gardeners will always go where the good dirt is. So, so how, like with builders, you often hear with builders, they're hopeless at doing mm. their own houses. They're, they'll leave them <coughs> half finished. But it sounds to me like no, there's no, the gardener... There's no cobbler shoes with gardens. Yeah, right. you know, most, it's a bit of a pissing contest. You know, we're, we're, all, <laughs> out to, we're all out to show off yeah. to each other. But, um, but I think if you're serious about gardens, you, you, you're serious about making a gardener in yourself. 
So you, you might you might not finish things, but you, you're basically going to make a place that's beautiful. Mm. I, I don't know any gardeners that are worth their salt who don't live in a beautiful garden. That aren't crafting one. That's that's the, that pleasure, that ongoing pleasure of making a garden and shaping it and when, growing. When you think about making a garden and, and shaping it, do you think do you think it's got to look beautiful today, but it's going to look majestic in five years' time? Do you look at it with that kind of time lens? You, you need to. You need to. I think. I think that's that's the gardener's logic. That's the because that's where I see gardener's logic as being the, the noblest of logics. Because we have to think of things in 30, 50, 60 year increments. That's right. Even if you're not going to be around. I, w- I was at a garden recently out at Camden. You know where where this guy's family's in his thirties. His family had procured this from the Maclays. It was their country house from Elizabeth Bay Farm, out, out of Camden. And his family had been there since the eighteen seventies. And he, he looked at these trees. He said they're pretty fast growing trees. He said my grandfather planted them when he was thirty, and if he was alive today, he'd be ninety six. He said so. These trees are only sixty six years old. Look how big they are. Here's a guy who's been inculcated with the long-term vision because his family's been there for four four or five generations and they're thinking long-term. And that's how gardeners think. So you've got to to realise that you've got to plan for growth, but you you also want to get the the short-term flush. I mean, there's plenty of... There's plenty of cheap tricks you can do just to give you a bit of a, a rush of, 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 of growth and making you feel like you're in a dynamic growing garden. Well, it's a great, it's a great uh, profession in that you can take pride when you're driving around gardens you've created and the, the joy that they give to, to families. And it doesn't take very long. I, rem- I remember 10 years after starting... I went past a, you know, an industrial complex that we that we put in when I was a you know, young gardener and working in a landscape company, and I looked up at these trees that were big enough for me to climb, and wow. I just thought, I, I remember when they were this big. It was ten years, you yeah, know, wow. and, and t- you know how ten years goes like that. Yeah, I mean it's just amazing. Yeah, I certainly do. Yeah, well, look, I, I was M- Michael. I mean. How do you see the? F- I mean, is it is it a growing industry? Still a growing industry? Oh, because, boom. pardon the pun, <laughs> but but you see, we 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 we're suffering from um, you know um, de- people downsizing, people going to units, people. Hmm. How do you see the future of, of your profession? Well, I think I think I think it's an exciting time. Like I started out my career where. I worked for people who were my parents and grandparents' age. Yeah. And then I went, went through the phase where I was working for people my age and now I'm working for people who are younger than me. Yeah. And, and so they bring fresh ideas and they're more international. They're, 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 they've lived a more privileged existence. They're, they're, they're freer with their ideas and, and their ability to, to, to express themselves individually. I think the next generation is very exciting because they don't care about the rules. Yeah. And, and, and so, and the young designers and their influence. So we all watch each other, and not just on Instagram, but we're all watching each other's work. And you're saying, "That's an you know, people are mixing up plants." When when I was trained in in plant design, it was all these rules of good taste. You didn't use mm. this with that. Now they, they they smash them up. Exotics with temp, subtemperates, you know, ex, you know, subtropicals with with succulents. As long as they're horticultural requirements. The things that you need for the husbandry of these plants are the same or similar. Mm. You can mix them up, and I think that garden styles are becoming more mixed, more hybrid, more. And I also think that's coupled with the cultural cringe is dead, and it was dead when we were growing up, but it wasn't buried. And I think the next generations have, have buried it, and they're shopping in the international supermarket of style. 
They're going to these places. They're going to Greece and having a six-week holiday like you did. And they're, and they're, and they're, they're realising that it changed who they were by being in this atmosphere and they want to replicate that atmosphere, not necessarily the Greek garden, but you want to replicate elements of, of what that was that made you feel good about being alive. Mm. And the next generation, they're, they're, they're up for it. Mm. Yeah. And, and the keeping up with the Joneses is finished. People people do want to do things which are impressive, but they don't want to do the same thing their friends did. So trend-based gardening that would have happened back in our parents' <coughs> day where you had to have the flat the flat piece of grass and the fruit yeah. trees and, yeah, the, and the lemon tree fence, and the, yeah. That, yeah. That's now not really applicable. I, well, I, I, th- I think there's, there's still trends mm. and there's still things which you see happen, and, and but, but I think the trends fragment very quickly. Mm. They're not cookie-cutter things. So tell me, Michael, you know how the whole world is conscious of, you know, being good to the environment, you mm. know, I mean, that's, the in, that's the industry you're in, mm. but, but they also think about being so carbon neutral or mm. carbon negative. I mean, is that creeping into your work as well, like creating a closed-loop environment where, you know, everything's recycled, everything's repurposed within the garden framework or...? Most of most of what directs our processes is, is about making it beautiful. It, 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 yes, we're planting trees, and you know my company plants twenty thousand trees a year. So yeah, we're doing we're doing stuff that's good, but we do use a lot of energy in order to do that. In the way we do that, we make it. You know, I've got big diggers right now while we're standing here talking, right. m- moving large amounts of earth around, reshaping things. Right. But have you ever worked on projects where the the the, the mission was to create <coughs> a, a self-contained ecosystem. ecosystem ecosystem on that block? Yeah, no, no, not so much. Not 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 in the sort of realm I'm I'm looking at creating beautiful things, and that's what's directing it. Right, ra- so that ra- ra- beautiful places, rather than 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 being focused on how much energy we're consuming doing it. So your gardens, the gardens you're creating now, I take it, are big. Generally, yes, yes, yeah. Because yeah. you're talking about earth moving equipment, so yeah, we're not talking well, I, about. I've got to keep eight crews board. of landscapers busy, so you know, eight crews. <coughs> yeah, so so, so 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 there's four crews building them, and there's four crews maintaining them. Right, so the job, and so that's full time, and that's without all the subcontractors, and and it's, it's, it's you know we we got we got to build seven million dollars a year with the guns. Yeah, well, that's that's genetic. And My not, brother's lost his. And not grey either. <laughs> so the jobs that you that you're doing are are they big contract jobs? Are they p- private people or are they? You know, like- <clears throat> we, we've we've stopped doing commercial landscaping because we just found it was a rush to the bottom from the GFC onwards, and right. and, and so so. But we, we we I got lucky. I stopped doing the commercial because I I just didn't want to do the stuff that wasn't quality, and at the same time, all this big big scale residential jobs turned up and so we were actually able to use our commercial experience to build big things. So we happen to be building big but we build a range of things. It just depends on whether they're interesting and the people are nice. So you get I take it you get everybody from professionals to famous people and back again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got we got too many famous people on our on our tell us some stories. No stories, no names. No, no, you know the names. Oh, really? Straight <laughs> no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. You don't kiss and tell. It's right. they're, they're definitely in my business. It's not good for business. Oh, no, no, that's fair enough. Fair enough. enough. What happens on the road stays on the road. What happens yeah. in the garden stays in the garden. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Now, now you may have touched on it lightly, but what is your vision for for your business or for yourself? Well, I think I think I've got another 
20 years of making beautiful places. And and so I, I think it's just about, you know, um, seeking out those 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 people that want to make beautiful things and who get it, who, who are in the religion. Because mm. I, I feel quite religious about it. I oh. mean, as a card-carrying atheist, mm. it's a strange thing to say, but... Y- you're in good company, comrade. Once you actually live in a beautiful garden with, with fire and moving water and dogs and cats and kids, not cats, dogs and kids. Yeah, no cats. <laughs> no cats. We don't want cats. I'm with birds. You. Yeah, we want birds. birds. No cats. That's birds. <laughs> Let's bring the birds. So, and, and all that movement and motion and, and, and flow spaces that come off the house where you can choose to eat outside, inside like that. I've got to stop flicking my fingers. That's um, all right. That's um, okay. And, uh, and and yeah, outdoor lounges and you know teenage hangouts and outdoor showers and baths and things like that, where you start to do more and more of the activities that you do inside outside, where your life's enriched by being connected to to nature, by being in the garden. I think that's 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 the that's the future for me. Sounds to me like you're getting more passionate as you get older. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think you've always uh, been. writing the writing the book was was a really interesting moment because I sort of thought it was a mid career book, mm. but actually to sit down and ponder, you know, firstly to work through the thousand gardens I built and work out how you know it was twenty originally and now it's eighteen in the book, mm. how to work out you know which eighteen gardens made it into the book, trying to represent all the different styles of things that contemporary Australians are trying to create. So tell us about <laughs> about the book. Is it, you know, let's do a sh- let's do some shameless self promotion here. So the book. Well, it's called the New Australian Garden: yeah. Landscapes for Living, and basically, originally set out to be a portfolio of my work. But the process of thinking through what gardens we're in, and then actually writing the book about the process of making the gardens, and and reflecting. Just sitting quietly by myself because it's not my modus operandi to sit in my study and, 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 and to read the books. It's more to be out there and doing things. Mm. I think I became very aware about what it is that, that I do and, and what it is that we do when we're making guards as a profession. Mm. And, and so I think that that's what gives it the sort of religious fervour because – and now I'm just thinking, well, I'm 50. The next – if I've got another 20 years of making gardens, I want to make sure they're all good. Yeah. There's no more practice. This is this is this, this is, is, is yeah, right. yeah. Now, now we want to make sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. We want the good gigs where the audience loves loves the music and and, and we're smashing it out and and and, and every, everybody's a winner. But you know you you want to have this neat fit in between what the people want to create and what's possible, and and the people themselves, the clients, and the concept, making sure that, that there's a neat match and also. You know what my business is good at doing. You know, the other day I walked away from a fantastic big garden. Well, when I say fantastic, it was fantastic in, in a contractual sense, but I just didn't have the right feeling about the client. And I thought, you know, there's two years of work involved in this, and I and I just thought this isn't a good start. Yeah, right. But I mean, it's it's great to be in that position to actually say, here's four here's four million dollars worth of garden work, but I don't I don't think I don't think we're the right people for you. You know, that, is, that is a magical <coughs> place to be. Yeah, so but I just hope that continues. You know. Yeah, right. So, no. do you, so you're a hands-on guy, obviously, but you're like a director now. Because I, I'm, the I'm the conductor. Yeah, I'm the conductor. You're the conductor. And even that, I'm handing the conductor role over to my two IC. 
So he's going to, my operations manager is going to manage all the operations next year yeah. and I'm just going to concentrate on the design process and sales and managing the clients and making sure that, that where we're headed in terms of being selective about what it is that we're attracting and, 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 and setting up to do. So I'm, I'm stepping above. I mean, I made this perfect job that I love, mm. but, but I feel like it's time to step away a little bit, let somebody else come up and, and, and do the actual day-to-day operations, even though I find it invigorating because I think I can, I can take us further and do more. So do you enjoy the business side of the business? No, 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 no. Most, and most good landscapers don't. I mean, you start out life being, being a landscaper stuck with, you know, being stuck with business and then you end up being a businessman stuck with landscaping because, you know, landscaping is a multifactorial, complicated, mm. high-risk business. I mean, you, I see so many young landscapers, I feel sorry. That, you know, like starting out when I started out, it was so much easier. Mm. Now you need a 48-page you know, safe work method statement for how to dig a hole. I mean, the compliance and yeah. all of those things. I just look at these young guys and I think, oh, it's well, all well and good you've got a nice logo and a nice truck and, you know, but where are you going to get your customers from? And the first big mistake you make is going to wipe you out. All the mistakes I've made, the cumulative mistakes, you know, I've just been fortunate enough, none of them took me out to the point now where, yeah. you, where you're established, where you get, well, firstly, you're not making the mistakes and secondly, you know, you can take them when you do. Pr- procedures and compliance were a little bit loosey. They were a bit loosey goosey. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not so today. No, I, mean, no, I no. often, no. I often think that as well about people in in my industry starting out. I mean, they're kidding themselves when they think it's just a logo, a pretty picture, and a and a, and a, 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 and, and a talent, a talent a for talent. an actual talent for landscaping. That's not enough. That, that is absolutely not that's, enough. That's right. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to running a business, as you know. So who is that person that takes that takes those kind of boring bullets. <coughs> well, I've got an office full of those people. Great. So, yeah. so, I, so with ADHD, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've just got. Everyone's got a whiteboard with magnets on them. I just come in and rearrange their priorities and leave them alone. I don't spend more than an hour a day there because they pretty, they pretty much got to get their work done, and I'm right. only going to distract them from that. Right. And so I go in there, rearrange their priorities, and then, and then I don't even know how they do it. But they've all got three screens, so I can only work on three things at once. And then they say, okay, Michael, well, you can't, until you d- finish one of these things, we can't open another one. So I've just adapted to it. And the, and the irony is I regularly find myself in these big meetings with, you know, the architect and the client and the builder and, uh, 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 and it's, it's a half a dozen people. And I'm usually the most focused person in the room. And it isn't just because they're dealing with my realm where I know the, you know what's going on it's usually because they, they, they've they've got these smartphones and this new technology and they've got recently acquired ADD and I've been living with it for 50 years yeah right <laughs> there's a whole thing about therapy and, and healing gardens mm, and, and yeah and and I know several people who are serious about that mm. you know Daniel Baskey from 360 is 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 done the Kinghorn Center and serious about that and I worked with Topher Delaney in San Francisco and she was very serious about healing gardens herself you know healed from cancer so do you, do you get calls to travel the world to do gardens for people? Oh, you, you get talk of it, but you know, I, I right. think I think it's very much a provincial sort of uh, um, craft. You, you know your soil and drainage and materials, and I mean. There was a period where I was always trying to find new materials. Like there's the red garden in the book where where I went and uh, reactivated the mine where they mined all the, stone, the red sandstone for for the for the town of Alice Springs on the outskirts of Alice. 
And uh, and then I got some purple slate from Kununurra in East Kimberley, where I was really trying to do things which were uniquely Australian. You know, where it, it was a bit crazy. You know, going too far to get something unique and different. Because it's hard to make it work. I take it. Well, where are you out going to Alice yeah, Springs right. and you well, know. Who's, who's your who's your researcher? Like, uh, where do you get the information that you need in order it's to come back up to with that it? garden network? It's back to that garden. Gardeners. Give of their their knowledge freely. That's it's extraordinary. It. Yeah. it is extraordinary. If if somebody sends me a picture of a plant and I don't know what it is, I can send it out to three people within an hour. I'll have the answer. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's people out there think I'm I'm this extraordinary horticulturist, and I'm not. Like, I I just hang around with some serious horticulturalists, yeah, you know, right, yeah. big hitters, you know, yeah. <laughs> who, who, who know who know a lot about plants, and and I've forgotten more than I know. But I've got a pretty good working knowledge of what's going to what's going to work, and, and and in relative sense, I do know a lot about plants. But but I hang around with some people who are who are really quite knowledgeable so in, in in plants, and, uh, and you know, and there's there's so it's a great profession. There's so much, always so much more you can learn. Yeah. But so, going, but going for a bushwalk with you is not a nightmare. Like you don't, no, don't stop every no, few yards no, and no. say, "Oh, this is." A- I, I, no, no, I flat out know the genus, let alone the species or the subspecies or the you know the genotype that's slightly different in this you know right. ecosystem. Right. right. So, okay. Michael, um, where do people get the book? Oh, any good bookstore. Oh, right. Murdoch Books is the publisher. You can get it online. It's called the New Australian oh, Garden Books. Now, I'm not sure if your um, branding and marketing guru uh, asked you for your favourite song because we'd like to finish the interview your favorite with your favourite song. I didn't know that was on. I tell you, there's a Macklemore song that I, that I really like from from his tour, from the tour before, because I've taken two sets of kids to two Macklemore concerts, you know, right. and, and um, I think you know the, the ceiling can't, the, the ceiling can't hold us. I think. Okay. You know, yeah. All right. That's well, that's a that's a, that's a good song. I find that really motivational. For anyone wanting to start out in your industry, what's the one key word of advice that you'd give them? Oh, just get into it. Just get into it. Just just start. Go at the back and dig a hole. Go, you know, start growing things. I did that, but my <laughs> mother-in-law refused to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom. Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, thanks, uh, Michael. Th- thanks, guys. Thanks for making the, and, making the effort to and come you in really, and chat with us. You really live the profession. I mean, that smile's been on your face it throughout has. the whole interview. Really? More, more so when the single malt came up. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> thanks, Michael. Thanks. Thank thanks, you. Michael.
the Mac. Get on what it is, what it does, what it is, what it isn't. Looking for a better way to get up out of bed instead of getting on the internet and checking a new hit me get up. First shot, come strut walking. A little bit of humble, a little bit of cautious. Somewhere between like Rocky and Cosby's for the game. No, no, y'all can't copy up. Bad moonwalking in this here is our party. My posse's been on Broadway and we did it all way. Chrome music. I shed my skin and put my bones into everything I record to it. And yeah, I'm on. Let that stage light go and shine on down. Got that Bob Barker suit game and plinko in my style. Money, stay on my craft and stick around for those pounds. But I do that to pass the torch and put on for my town. Trust me, on my I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T shit hustling. Chasing dreams since I was 14 with the four track bustin'. Halfway across that city with the back, 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 crushing. Labels out here, now they can't tell me nothing. We give that to the people, spread it across the country. Labels out here, now they can't tell me nothing. We give it to the people, spread it across the country. Here we go back, this is the moment. Tonight is the night, we'll fight till it's over. So we put our hands up like the ceiling can't hold us. Like the ceiling can't hold us. So damn grateful. I grew up really wanna gold fronts, but that's what you get when Wu Tang raised you. Y'all can't stop me. Go hard like I got an 808 in my heartbeat. And I'm eating at the beat like it gave a little speed to a great white shark on shark. We rock. Time to go off. I'm gone. Deuces goodbye. I got a world to see. And my girl, she wanna see Rome. See, so make you a believer now. Nah, I never ever did it for a throne. That validation comes from giving it back to the people now. Nah, sing this song and it goes like. Raise those hands, this is our party. We came here to live life like nobody was watching. I got my city right behind me. If I fall, they got me. Learn from that failure, gain humility, and then we keep marching. Can I we said, go back? This is the moment. Tonight is the night. We'll fight till it's over. So we put our hands up like the ceiling can hold us. Like the ceiling can. Now some might run 
the test, but those that try, yeah. 